what we want to do is kind of just share a piece of the story. I'm not going to be able to share the whole thing because it would take forever. Um, I'm going to share a piece of the story as the Lord has led me this week. And then I'm also going to um, share some things, some highlights from the year. And then I'm also going to talk about um, why, the way that God's made us a unique body of Christ and kind of the way that we do church government, stuff like that. And so this morning as we begin, I want to take you to Acts chapter 2 in verse 40. Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 40. It'll come up, Steve. Just double click. It'll be all right. In Acts chapter 2, as the church has just begun, um, Peter has preached uh, 3,000 are converted and they are baptized. And, and, and there we have the birth of the church coming through the death of Jesus and then the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We have the very birth of the, the new beginning church. And I'm sorry for this slideshow because I have not followed any of the PowerPoint uh, rules. So the words aren't as big as I planned them to be. Um, but I, like I said, I'm sorry. If I need to send this to you so you can read it later, uh, then I will. Uh, but as you can see, it's a little bit small. But in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 40, as the church has begun, it says there, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And that's Peter preaching there in verse 40. And then those who gladly received what he had taught were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to the number. And these are the number of those that would follow. It wasn't called Christianity then, it was called the way. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. That means with each other and with non-believers. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And so Peter's message to the early church, his first message ended with this tagline, be saved from this perverse generation. Perverse means to be twisted. It means to be not what it was supposed to be, but it's something that's been gnarled and corrupted. And so he says, be saved from this perverse generation. And after preaching about what Jesus had done on the cross, fulfilling all of the Old Testament, those who believed received his message, they heard it, they let it have an impact on their lives, and they decided they wanted to be baptized and identify with Jesus. Now, but, but here's the problem. Most churches, evangelical churches even, they stop at this point. They, they preach the gospel of salvation They baptize, and then there's really no plan after that other than we want people to be saved. But the problem with that, well, there's not a problem with that. I think in some ways we might do well to preach the gospel more as our church. Uh, Maybe we might spend more time sharing the saving message of Jesus, and then as people are saved, this is just the beginning. And if you know anything about child-raising, we celebrate the birth, and we're like, "Woohoo! a baby's born. But if that child never grows from drinking its mom's milk to eating solid food, then we know that the child's not healthy. It's, it's not going to grow. It's going to remain a child. And yet, God's heart for the church is that we would not stop at birth, but then the Great Commission doesn't say to go ye therefore and make converts. What it says is it, go, it says, go ye therefore and make disciples. So what does it look like to be a disciple? 
Well, here it says in our passage that they continued after this message was preached, they were saved, they were baptized. It says they continued steadfastly in the fundamentals of the Christian life. Now, steadfastness is not something that we're really good at unless we've got a New Year's resolution. And then that doesn't always keep, right? I'm going to do greater this week. I'm going to do better at my diet. I'm going to do better at working out. I'm going to get all my reps in. I'm going to take as many free throw shots as I can. I, I want to get good at what I do. And many of us are very disciplined at the things that we consider to be important in our lives. I mean, aren't we? The things we want to succeed at, we make sure we do the fundamentals and that we never grow weary of that because we want to be good at the thing we do. A guy that wants to not sit the bench during a basketball game, uh, he practices outside of practice because he doesn't want to get benched for missing or, or for missing a block or, or all the things, that you're missing a screen or I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> my wife teaches me all the stuff I know. Anyway, It can only go so far with my understanding, but in this place, the fundamentals of the Christian life are listed out in Acts chapter 2. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. If the Old Testament foreshadows it, if the New Testament in the gospel, Jesus taught it, and then in the New Testament after the gospels, the, the, the apostles wrote about it and expounded upon it, then those things are the things we'll die on. If the Old Testament taught it, if, the, if Jesus said it, and if the epistles expound it or expose it or teach it further, then those are the things that we hold as closed-fisted issues. Those are things that w- the hills that we'll die on. Other than that, it's open-fisted. It's not stuff we die on. And so they continued in what the Bible teaches, simply. And if there's one thing that has transformed my life over the last 14, almost 15 years— It's been the word of God, simply explained, simply reading it daily, simply absorbing it, feeding upon it. It says that they continued steadfastly studying, but they were also taught the word of God. And we encourage you as a church to read it all on your own as well. Sunday's the smorgasbord, and the rest of the week, it's just eating a meal enjoying a little bit as you go. Did you know that sheep, uh, though they don't drink tons of water, their shepherd leads them beside cool waters and leads them to green pastures. And most of the dew, when, when does dew fall on grass? It falls very early in the morning. And then sometimes as dusk is settling in at night. And so shepherds many times have to get up early and many times they have to go to bed late in order to lead their sheep to green pastures so that not only do they get the nutrients, but they also get the water that settles on the grass. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit and how we need to be having the Holy Spirit enlightening our eyes, but the Word of God is then understood as He gives us help to understand it. And so they continued steadfastly studying the Word of God. Number two, they continue in fellowship. Uh, Fellowship might be defined as simply as two fellows in the same ship. And when you're in the same ship, you're going in the same direction. And so in fellowship, they spent time together regularly. Any good basketball team, I've been watching this, or even the cross-country team. I've been watching the boys this year here in AV. And one thing that I notice is when the adversity nails them, they continue to encourage each other. That's because they're used to being around one another. And they can tell when the other one's getting down. And as the body of Christ, the more we spend time together, the more we get to know one another, the more we get to know each other's faults, no doubt. But also the other way we can can learn to lift each other's heads up when we're struggling. We can see the signs of that. Because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but our crew is not so good at going, hey, I'm kind of hurting right now. We like to hide it and act like everything's fine. But... We could either get aggravated about that, or we could find out and notice about each other what it looks like when we look down. For some of us, it it looks like we're gripping tight, we're just keeping going. And then we start to notice that, and we can go, hey, they haven't told me they're struggling, but I notice it, and I can pray for them. Uh, So they spent time together regularly. Uh, The 
Church is built, by the way, not on these gatherings. The church is built on individual relationships. And I don't know if you noticed, but every person that followed Jesus, he met with them personally. He spent time with them personally. He had an impact on their lives because they spent time together. And I want to encourage you, as we get bigger and as we have grown this year, you could obviously start to bemoan the fact that it's not as small as it used to be. But we all can only have the influence over a certain amount of people anyway. So spend time with the people that you have stuff in common with. Birds of a feather flock together. You know, for people that make bad jokes or like to laugh at stuff, that, that's my game. So I, I end up around people that love corny jokes. For you, it might be something different. I like cars. I like getting greasy and working on my Jeep, sometimes more than others. But I hang out with people that have tools, and we talk about Jesus when we're together. And so all those things, like, don't overcomplicate it. Uh, but, but at the same time, I recognize that life is busy. But if it's too busy to spend time with other people, then I think that there's some other things that need to be cut out. So make sure you're not too busy to build relationships because uh, those are the foundational blocks of the church. There's not one of you that's here today that isn't here because some individual didn't invite you or didn't try to speak into your life or try to share the truth with you. That's how God builds his kingdom. And we're not, in the, we're not in the business of making a big church for the sake of having big numbers. We're in the business, and I won't call it a business, we're in, in the practice of meeting together and building relationships with people so that they can know the truth and be set free from the perversity of this generation and be added to the kingdom of God. When the church grows properly, the kingdom of God grows, not just a quantity. And so number three, they continued in the breaking of bread. And this isn't just uh, fellowship and eating. Uh, This is also breaking bread and communion. Jesus said, in this way, I want you to remember me. I want you to take the cup. I don't want you to drink the juice or the wine. And I want you to remember me. Because as you remember me, you'll remember whose you are And because you remember whose you are, you'll remember what was sacrificed to purchase your salvation. It'll keep you humble, but also you'll remember that we are all partakers in one loaf. That not one of us is greater than the other. We'll recognize that we're all equal in the kingdom of God. Some of us might have more visible roles, but we're all important in the body of Christ. And we all are sustained by the body of Christ as we take it in. And we remember that his body was broken, not just the bread. And his blood was poured out for the removal of sin. And, and so because of that, we are set free to worship. And so also, when you spend time together, eat meals. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Jesus, when he broke bread and when they took communion the first time, they were eating a meal and Jesus kind of interrupted the whole thing. And they took communion to remember Jesus was the reason they were together. I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of people in this room that I wouldn't know or even have anything in common with, except Jesus is our common bond. That's the only way we met each other. We weren't running in the same circles. We weren't in the same places. But God has brought us together so that we can know him more fully as we witness his work in each one of our lives. And then number four, prayer. And these are pillars. These are the things that the church is built upon as we are built upon Christ, the apostles' doctrine, teaching of the word of God, fellowship with one another, breaking of bread and in prayer. Now, they prayed personally. Uh, We send out church prayer requests so that people can pray personally, but they also prayed for and with one another. One of the things that changed my viewpoint about prayer was that my pastor, when I'd say, hey, I could use prayer for this. Wherever we were, we stopped and he prayed right then because he didn't want to just talk about it and because he was going to forget so if you ever ask me for prayer, be ready. I'm going to pray with you. And it's, it might be awkward the first time, but it brings Jesus right into that moment. And it reminds us that we're not the answer to anybody's prayer. He is the answer, and he's going to answer through us many times. But bringing prayer into reality, and then also corporate prayer. They prayed together. You know, you've heard the phrase, a family that prays together stays together. And I would say the same, uh, the church family 
which is really the foundation for the truth and the earth, the pillar and the ground of the faith, Paul the Apostle said, uh, when we pray together, we stay together. So Jesus has called us to be his disciples, not just converts. And we see that in verse 46 and 47 of this passage, where it says, So continuing daily with one accord and unity in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, they were thankful and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved, which means they were added even not on Sunday. <laughs> they weren't just added during services. They weren't just added at revivals. They were added when people were living their lives directed by the Holy Spirit. And you know, the, the Great Commission says, Go ye therefore, because of course Jesus spoke King James only, but it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But did you know that that phrase, Go ye therefore, actually means, doesn't mean go to another nation, although sometimes God calls people to go to another nation or another town or a different place. He might call you to go to Butch's one day instead of Steve's because he wants to reach somebody there. He's that involved in the details. But when it says, go ye therefore, what it's saying is, as you go, as you are going. So many of you, you're called to be witnesses in the school. Many of you are called to be witnesses at your businesses. Many of you are called right now in this season of life to be bold witnesses for Jesus at your casa in your home, in the place where God has you raising your children day in and day out, and you just want an adult conversation. That's where he's called you to share Jesus, to be Jesus. And so the fruit of this lifestyle is the end of verse 47. The Lord added to the church daily saved souls. And this is really where everything starts from. This is what we're trying to model, what we do after what we see in Scripture. We're not trying to do campaigns. We're not trying to to build a church our way. We're trying to lean upon God's understanding and His intent for the church. So far, here's how we've gone about this. Uh, Our main emphasis is worship and the Word. When we're together, we're praising Jesus and we're studying the Word of God. We make it our aim to study all that this book encapsulates. The Old Testament being Jesus concealed, the New Testament being Jesus revealed. It's all about Jesus. And I truly believe it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. That's my story. I started reading the Word of God. When I showed up at church, I I was not what I am today. I had all kinds of quirks. I had all kinds of sin. And people weren't looking at me going, you got to stop doing that. They were just telling me, read the Word of God, pray, pray and trust Jesus, and be here when the doors are open. And that's what changed my life. And if you knew me before, most of you didn't. Uh, I'm a changed cat. I'm a totally different person. Uh, Ask my parents. They'll tell you. I'm not what I once was. And sometimes they don't like what I am now. But that's okay. I'm living for Jesus. And so we've studied Mark, and we've studied Acts all the way through Revelation. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we started Genesis this year, or maybe at the end of last year. And we plan to keep going. And Lord willing, I'd like to add a service. But we don't know what God's doing, and so just pray about that. Uh, We encourage fellowship. We have just a couple large gatherings a year. We don't want to load your calendars down. We're not trying to complicate life. We're trying to give lanes of service so that you can come and get to know one another and celebrate with one another. Um, We encourage you to spend time together and have each other over for meals, not just your families. I don't know if you realize this or not, but this is the family that you will be with for eternity. I want you to witness to your families. I want you to have them over. I want you to love them well. But we got to encourage each other. Uh, And then we also encourage fellowship through youth gatherings, Ladies' Bible studies, men's Bible studies, and whatever else the Lord lays on people's hearts to do. These are just the things we're currently doing. If God's laying something on your heart, 
and you haven't brought it up as a po- possibility uh, to one of the leadership, that's on you. Like if God lays something on your heart, we want to give you the, the, the resources and the place to have that thing. And we want to encourage you to be set free to do what God's laid on your heart. So this building is here all the time. We want it to be used. We don't want to just keep it heated for no reason. So I don't know what God has planned. Uh, regular communion. We do this the first week of each month. We celebrate communion together as a church. Uh, but I also want to say that that's not the only time you can take it. You don't need me there to administrate. Do it as families as well. Uh, celebrate communion with your spouse. When you have one another over, take communion. It might be weird the first time, but it's something just remembering Jesus in our daily lives. Uh, remember Jesus our Lord together and celebrate him as often as you like. It's good for us. And then prayer. We send out prayer requests on email, and if you have them, send them to us. If we send them out, pray over them. You don't have to know all the details. God uses us powerfully as we pray in one accord. And then we also gather each week before service at 9 a.m., Get here early, we'll fill up the room. If the room gets too small, that's our prayer, that it would be too small, that we would need a bigger spot to pray, we'll go downstairs. Um, We also encourage you to pray for people when they ask you. Like I'm saying, don't make me the only guy that prays with people in public. Bring Jesus into your daily lives. Someone asks you for prayer, count it an honor, and then move on it in that moment. So here's our story. Arcadia Valley Chapel was started in 2013. Uh, My life was simply changed uh, by the simple teaching of God's Word. Some of you here were there when I first came to the church at Parkland Chapel 15 years ago. Uh, It was simplicity and insincerity that I was changed. People were humble. They were real. Sometimes I get up here and I share stories that might be a little uncomfortable for you because it's revealing my brokenness and how God's worked through that over the years. But I want you to do that in people's lives that you know. Don't act like you got it all together. Share with something with them that might be a little humbling to you. Uh, They will be broken by your brokenness. They will see Jesus. Um, My wife and I were both changed by this. We actually met in Parkland Chapel. And then in 2013, you might know a family, uh, Heather and Stacy Tedford, um, they weren't married at the time. They had a couple kids together. They had a tragic loss in their family, four-wheeler accident, Jerry Law. Um, he passed away, and my pastor did the funeral. And then at the graveside, uh, Stacy came up to my pastor and said, hey, I think I need to get right with the Lord. And so um, he shared the gospel with them. He came to church the next week, decided to get baptized. And right after he got baptized, he goes, I guess I ought to marry my old lady. And then they got married. Um, They started intermittently coming to church at Parkland Chapel in Farmington. And and then as my pastor was praying for them, he said, you know, I wonder if it might benefit them and other people like them if, if we could plant a church in Arcadia Valley. And so I was like, okay, that's interesting. I was leading the youth group. What do you want me to do about it? Um, and he said, would you go down there with me on a step of faith and teach a Bible study every other week? So uh, a few months later, we came down. We had a group that was leading worship with us. They uh, led worship, and we uh, started teaching the Word of God. He taught Acts chapter 2, this very passage, and shared the pillars of the church and said, this is how we want to do a church and see what God might do. And so as we prayed and as he taught the first week, he never showed up again. (laughs) I taught the next week. We started the book of Mark. He got very violently sick, which I believe was some health problems he had, but also spiritual warfare. And as we continued, uh, God continued to provide. We had a little wooden box in the back. People would put offerings in there if they wanted to be a part. And day by day, week by week, God continued to confirm that we were supposed to be down here. So A couple months later, I looked at my wife, and I said, I think God's calling us to move. And she wouldn't talk to me for two weeks, even though I just took her out to a nice meal at 12 West. She wouldn't talk to me. We had a baby on the way. She was like, this is not the time. I'm nesting. We're comfortable. And I asked her what 
makes her think that following Jesus was ever supposed to be comfortable, you know, but um, she submitted and we put our house up for sale and then God didn't sell it for an inordinate amount of time. And there were some things that happened at our home church that really kind of slowed things down for a little bit. We lost our worship team. Um, And so Kelly and I, after moving down here, kind of started leading worship. And I can play a few chords, but I'm self-taught and I really need other help. And God, as you've seen today, has added and he's fulfilled all those things that we prayed for. Um, God's just been so faithful. And day by day, we've been scared and we've been convicted. And as much as the church is good for whoever might be impacted by it, it's been a wonderful blessing to my wife and I because we've grown in our faith as we've trusted Jesus with what we can't see. God, why have you called us here? God, why isn't the church growing? We're doing what you've told us to do. Now what? And so um, we started in Bobby Powell's, March 3rd, 2013. Uh, We believe God called us and we moved September of 2013, which now doesn't look like that much time, but at the time seemed like an eternity. Uh, We moved services to the space next door to Napa. And I'm pretty sure everybody in the neighborhood thought that's the creepiest place ever to have church. But there was a remnant that stuck around, like they were like, hey, it's okay. Our, our area is kind of traditional. I don't know if you'd noticed that. Um, but then in 2017, uh, I drove past this church in 2016, this building, and I laughed and thought, this is the worst place ever to have church. Uh, you don't even know it. Nobody can see it. It's not on Main Street, which I thought was the best place to have church. And then uh, because you couldn't see it, and it was kind of off in the backwoods here, I didn't know it was here, and I'd lived here for three years. And so so obviously no one else does. And then um, in January of 2013, I got a text message from Ben Durbin, uh, Rachel's brother, and he said, hey, did you see this building's for sale in Pilot Knob? And I looked at the picture, and it was this place, and they wanted $19,995 for it. And I was like, well... Price is right. Let's go look. I mean, you can buy it for less than most new vehicles. I mean, come on. And so it's like we came over here and looked. It was 20 degrees in here because everything was winterized. And we looked around. And this room pretty much looked the same other than a few uh, beauty upgrades and some vacuuming and dusting and chairs. And so uh, we did all that. We moved in in 2017. We bought it. Um, God provided the funds. And By God's grace, we've continued in simplicity, uh, trusting the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to lead us and to bring the people that He would have come. Um, And as we've continued, God has added to the church, and as He adds, He's matured us, and He's making us more perfectly formed into the image of Jesus. And that's the whole point. Like, the church actually isn't for us. Did you know that? It's actually for Jesus. (laughs) It's the pillar and it's the visible way that God's unseen, right? But he reveals himself through his body. And as we become more like Christ as individuals, people see us. And as we become more conformed into his image as a unified group, then people see Jesus as we love one another. Jesus actually said that. He said, people will know me by the fact that you love one another. And John wrote the same thing. And so uh, we give each other grace to grow, and then he grows us, and then people see Jesus. So our church government, it's pastor-led and elder-assisted. We have a board of elders, which includes myself, three of us. Uh, We're not congregationally led. And for some of you, by God's grace, you've never experienced that. And for some of you, you've sat through torturous business meetings. And I'm not saying that God doesn't use that. But as I've been reading through the book of Numbers this year, and I see what happens when the congregation gets involved in leading, what I find is that the pastor becomes a hireling, he gets despised, and he can get hired or fired based on if he teaches something that nobody likes. The problem with that is that he's then tempted to fear man more than he does God, and then the church starts to run itself rather than God running the church. And no doubt, there's some double-edged sword stuff to that. It takes a lot of trust. But what I've seen is that God does it. 
You know, I shared with you a very difficult story in my own life at the end of October in 2019 when I got fired, and I can share that story with you a whole other time when I was working at U.S. Tool, but you guys proved that you trust me for whatever reason, and you prayed for me, and you encouraged me. And then as that happened, I started taking pay for the first time. We had been a church for six years and never took a dime, and so God's been faithful to lead us in this model And what happens is that as decisions have to be made, uh, Steve Persley and Micah Inman and I, we pray over things, we sometimes deliberate, and we drive each other nuts, but by God's grace, we make the decision that we feel is best in the Lord's sight, and then we move forward. And then you guys don't have to sit through all the politics and the mess and get all drug into the money or anything like that. Now, if you want to see the finances, you can see them. You can see where our money goes. We give 10% of what comes in here to other ministries about Jesus. Uh, We don't ask you for money. That's on purpose. It's not unbiblical to pass the plate, but we don't because we feel like people have been burned by that. Oh, the church just wants our money. We don't need your stinking money if that's your attitude. God provides. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. And so many times we needed stuff. He sold some cattle and gave us the funds. And it didn't even make sense. Checks would just come in from people that don't even go here. So uh, now at the same time, you'll be blessed if you give. And so um, anyway, our church leadership is uh, pastor-led, board-assisted, elder-assisted, and then we have deacons. And if you look at the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, they're there for you. Uh, Titus chapter 1, but then also uh, for deacons in 1 Timothy 3, and, and then in Acts chapter 6. I don't know where we get this idea that the deacons run the church. And I don't know, and I'm not throwing stones by any means, but I read Acts chapter 6, and the whole reason that deacons were brought up, the word literally means doulos or servant, and the servants, the deacons, are meant to do practical stuff around the church so that the board, the elders and the pastor, can actually spend the bulk of their time studying the word of God and praying so they can meet the spiritual need of the flock. They can feed the flock. And so in Acts chapter 6, there was this argument, and so they said, pick from among you men who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom who are able to do the practical stuff. And they picked guys like Stephen, they picked guys like Timothy, and they became, uh, maybe not Timothy in that passage, but anyway, so we have deacons, and they are Jesse Campbell, who's running the soundboard, Uh, Dave Dickerson, who plays bass and helps me with a lot of stuff around here, and Drew Warren, who, uh, if you've ever seen how great the grass looks in the summer, he's the man. And so they take care of practical stuff, but they also, in doing so, God gives them boldness to be witnesses in their community. Our leaders, by the way, anybody that's picked to be a leader here, they were already doing the work of that office or that title before they were ever laid hands on to do that. And so this morning, because I don't know that we've done this for Micah, but I also want to just bring the men up here and pray over them. So I'm going to bring Steve and Micah up here, and I'm going to pray over them. If you don't know it, we just recently added Micah. Come on up, guys. We added Micah Inman to our board. We prayed out our last uh, board member from Parkland Chapel. So I'm going to come down here. And uh, these men... Uh, If any big decisions get made around here, um, it's the three of us. So we're to blame, but we're trying to trust the Lord. Um, It's not me. It's not Steve. It's not Micah. If we don't have unity on something, we literally just don't do it. We feel like God's not blessed it. And so I'm very thankful for these men. They get up at usually 5 a.m. every Wednesday, and we're praying for you guys. We're praying over practical decisions. We're praying over the direction of the church, all that stuff. And so, Father, um, I thank you for my brothers here. I thank you for uh, raising them up, uh, for supporting my family through them. I thank you for their friendship. I thank you for their godliness. I thank you for their prayerfulness. Lord, I ask you in front of our church that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon all three of us as we lead. Um, We will be counted doubly um, if we... uh, do anything to bring blaspheme or 
shame upon your name. And so, Lord, we covered the prayers of this church. We thank you for the sh- sheep that you've placed us over, and we thank you that you're our good shepherd. And so, Lord Jesus, I lift them up to you and thank you for the men that they are and the men that you're making them and the way that we get to sharpen each other as we work through things together. So, Father, bless our relationships and build your church as we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. So now I want to call up our deacons, uh, Drew, Jesse, and I want to call up uh, Dave. And we are going to pray over you guys, because I don't know that we've ever done that publicly. Just thought this was a fitting time to do that. Uh, These men, uh, Jesse was the, the forerunner. Anything was getting done before service a few years ago. Jesse has always been here before anybody else. And so... Uh, and then God brought Drew and Dave along at just the right time. And uh, they are some of my biggest encouragers. They're doing the things that I was doing when I first started going to the church. And so, uh, Father, thank you for servants. No doubt in the kingdom of God, we're all called to be servants of the Most High God, just like Daniel in the Old Testament. Give them the faith of Daniel. Give them the trust that he had to, to duck and pray. Give them the faith to be bold witnesses for you in their jobs and in their community. And Lord, um, give them above and beyond what we could ask or think. Uh, I pray that you would multiply their number. As they serve you, may their service be contagious. May it be something that brings you glory when they're doing the things that are unseen. Uh, but Lord, I thank you that they're my brothers And I thank you for how you use them in a mighty way when no one's looking. Bless them for their service and give them great boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. So, those are the men. Those are are my guys. That's my crew. Um, That being said, what are we leading towards? What's the, okay, so we have a government, and then we also have people from within the body that are serving, and there are leaders officially, technically. Uh, but what is the point of the church? And I'll take you to Ephesians chapter 4 and kind of explain that. What is the purpose of the church? Is it just so we have something else on our calendar to do? Is it so we can have meetings and potlucks? Uh, What is the purpose? So in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 11, it says that God himself gave some to be apostles or sent ones, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The idea is that we would become mature in our faith, and God does that by using everyone's gifts for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So who are the saints? Are they stained glass images in in a church? No, they're you. Saints are living today, full of the Holy Spirit, made saints because of Jesus for the work of the ministry. So the ministry is not just for the pastor. It's not just for the elders. It's not just for the deacons. It's not for the Sunday school. It's for all of us. What has God called you to? And the purpose of the church is so that the body of Christ would come to the full knowledge of Jesus. So if you're ever confused, what's the purpose? We come to the full knowledge of Jesus. That we should no longer, verse 14, be children that God's calling us to grow up, that we should no longer be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. We wouldn't be deceived by false teaching, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but instead that the church would speak the truth in love, that we would grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, 
causes growth of the body for the strengthening of itself in love. That individually we'd be strengthened in faith as we gather together and stir one another up. But then corporately we would all come to the full stature of Jesus. The body of Christ is made up of a head. That's Jesus. He's the leader. And then arms and legs and toes. And maybe you're a toenail. By the way, the toenail's important. Maybe you're a big toe. Maybe you're a pinky toe. Maybe you don't feel as important. Maybe you're an arm. Maybe you're a mouth. By the way, the mouth speaks a lot, but sometimes need to be told by some of the ears. Maybe you shouldn't have said that. We all need to hold each other accountable to what we're saying and to what we're doing and how we live. And, and it says they're speaking the truth. Be honest with one another, but do it in love. For goodness sake, love one another. And guess what? If God shows you something about somebody else that they need to hear a word about and you haven't spent any time with them, it's way harder to deliver that message than if you've had them to your house and you've given them grace when they've gone off on you. Or, or some other thing has happened. So relationship is so important to maturity because none of us can mature if we can't speak the truth to one another in love. But that takes time to build. And so uh, in many ways, God's just speaking to us. This is the purpose of the church. And the purpose of the church is to fulfill the Great Commission locally, regionally, globally. So outside our walls, missions that we support are things like backpack impact, getting food into hungry bellies. Parkland Pregnancy Resource Center, we support them. They, they give free ultrasounds and they give resources to young parents. They, they also try to make sure that people aren't tempted to go towards getting an abortion. Riverwoods Fellowship in Logan, Utah, I visited them just this month. Uh, they're sharing the gospel and they're planting a church in a valley of 151,000 people with about a thousand Christians. And so they're, they're in hard ground out there. So we support them financially until they can get on their feet. Uh, Bethlehem Christian Academy is in Zambia, uh, Africa, and they have a school, but they also plant churches. And so they're meeting practical needs. They're feeding orphans and widows. They're, they're taking care of practical needs so that the gospel, gospel can be shared. And then we also support Open the Gates, which we've seen Daniel Messiah come here a couple times, where he comes and shares his faith and how he became a Christian, even though he was born a Muslim. His given name when he was born was Muhammad Khalid. And so he was um, saved, and then he um, shares his faith in the Muslim world. And then uh, Parkland Chapel actually produces videos of a higher quality than we do, and they're showing the videos of Christian teaching of the full Bible in the 1040 window, which is all the Muslim nations where it's very difficult or even deadly to go and send people to plant churches. And so those are just some of the ministries that we support. And then we also meet uh, practical needs for people that need benevolence that come from time to time. So just a few highlights from 2020. Uh, several years I've shared the State of the Church address, and I go, this is the year I think that Lord, the Lord's going to raise up a youth group. And then every time I'm like, Lord, how are you going to do it? And uh, in the fall of last year, you know, the year of the pandemic, uh, God added a youth group. He brought all the pieces for the leaders with different gifts, and they're all needed. They all have different gifts, but they all are keeping regular youth gatherings on Sunday nights. And so every month we have every Sunday night, we have a youth gathering, except for one. We usually do some sort of game night or just fellowship time where they come in on a Saturday night. Um, so regular youth gatherings are happening. We had Winter Jam last year, you know, back when public concerts were a thing. Um, we've had game nights and hikes and bonfires for the youth. And the youth have grown tremendously. I think one week we had like 18 youth here which is crazy. Um, God's provided a group of adults to lead our youth. Uh, I say it's crazy to have 18 youth here because um, <laughs> for a while, for the longest time, it was just Stephen Persley and then Lily as she's gotten older. 
And, and then God's added some more families. And so um, God's raised up a youth group. Um, Camp Elevate last year, we had 14 teens, six kids, and eight adults. Um, we actually had a drive-through baccalaureate. We wanted to do a baccalaureate for the kids. They hadn't done it in Navy for years. And we, because of the pandemic, couldn't do it face-to-face in a large group. And so we decided to do a drive-through one, which I hated the idea. But we had over 90% of the senior class of 2020 come through, get prayed for personally. Um, They got a bag with a Bible and a whole bunch of other stuff and then some candy to practically bless them. We had that at the Save-A-Lot parking lot. Um, And then we have had ladies' studies. We'd had ladies' uh, get-togethers. Galentine's last year, they studied Abigail. Uh, We actually had eight baptisms, which may not seem like a huge number, but that is record-breaking for our church. Eight in one year, and one of which was my daughter. And the other was uh, Micah's daughter, Peyton. So that was kind of a blessing. And then the six boys a few weeks ago that froze almost to death. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then Daniel Messiah came to speak. Uh, we did Easter Sunday online, which was a little different. Uh, but we got to add to our online live stream. So because of that, we're now doing worship online. It forced us to be innovative and probably really just catch up with the times a little bit. We're still not cutting edge. Um, but we also were able to add that to our service. And then uh, worship team has grown uh, significantly. Um, God's added a piano player, a drummer, um, and some. Dave's a little excited. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Dave's my amener. You know if Dave's here. Um, <clears throat> and then we've added to the worship team and also our equipment, as you've seen, as God's provided, we've been able to add the equipment we need to hopefully make the sound a little better. Um, and then personally, I have been supported part-time uh, since October of 2019, which in our church history, I, I was always working a full-time engineering job, and then Friday nights you'd catch me here really late, and some other nights too. And um, the church took a step of faith. The elders uh, prayed about it, decided they were going to support me part-time while I worked part-time supported at Parkland Chapel. And by God's grace, through a pandemic, uh, we've had more than we've needed uh, to pay me, but also uh, to take care of practical needs around here. Uh, we bought property and added parking. Uh, we added the parking back here, I think, in the last year. And then as of fall of 2021, I will be fully supported here. And so I'll be able to be here full time. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So God has done above and beyond what I ever thought possible. And I'm not going to lie, in March of 2020, I was going, this is my first year getting paid as a pastor. This seems like a bad time to do this. And then the Lord's like, uh, (laughs) test me on this and see if I won't open windows of heaven. And he has. Uh, We have not had one want. Uh, We've gotten to go on vacation this last year. All the stuff that, uh, you know, you kind of take for granted. I was sent to encourage the Tarvers. I got to fly out there, um, spend a couple days with him. They're uh, looking for a building to purchase as God's moving there. Um, We've added a church secretary, Miss Laurelin. is here all the time keeping me in line, and we built her an office back there. Um, We've added two parking lots. We're getting ready to put a new roof on the building. Um, And we've done all kinds of other building improvements along the way. Uh, I... (laughs) It's hilarious, really. Um, so Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4 says something, and I'll just read it. You don't have to turn there if you don't want. It says this, Where no oxen are, the trough is clean. But he, excuse me, whoops, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. And as God adds to the church, our tendency is going to go, And it was way easier when it was simple and when there was less people. But what I want to point out is that when there's more people, it's not just about numbers. It's about getting the gospel out. It's about serving our community. It's about serving one another. It's about Jesus being revealed in practical ways. And so 
with much oxen, there's going to be much strength added. And so um, if you want to serve in our church, uh, we typically require that you're here for more than six months before you serve. We want to get to know you. We want you to get to know us. And we also don't want you to feel like as soon as you get here, oh, good, you've got warm blood in your body. Uh, Get to work. We want you to be freed up to serve as you kind of get to know what we do. Uh, But there are servants needed. Uh, Prayer. Always need uh, more people praying. It's an unseen, powerful instrument of God. Uh, We have a children's church that's bustling. There's been a couple weeks where we've had like 15 kids down there in children's church. And we have one children's church class and typically one children's church servant. Uh, We've had up to six to eight kids in the nursery. We have a beautiful nursery. We usually have one servant, and it's the same ladies over and over. And when we have them serving downstairs, they don't get to go to church that week, which is a sacrifice, I realize. But if you serve our kids once a month or less, um, guess what happens? That's one more time that our regular ladies don't have to serve. And by the way, men, you can serve the kids too. Uh, You might want to serve with your wife because they're out of hand, but this is a way for couples to grow in serving together. Don't be scared. It's okay. It's simple. You may not know as much as you think you need to know to teach the kids the Bible, but all you got to do is know a little more than they do. And they'll look at you like you're the smartest person ever. So that's my gentle nudge to go, hey, get at it. Some of you are very gifted in teaching. You need to be doing it. Uh, Audio-visual booth. We need help. Uh, Jesse's back there some weeks with four arms, and he can't keep up. Uh, He needs help. Some of you feel called to that. Do it. It's it's not that difficult. We just need somebody back there to click the right button at the right time. From, from that little booth comes our live stream, our sound, worship slides. We record the teaching each week. You can get them on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we put it together. I need somebody to put together the worship slides. I do that every week. I think someone else would be way better at it. Um, ushers and greeters. I think this is the year we're going to need some ushers and greeters. Uh, Jeremy and Steve Trask did a wonderful job for communion a couple weeks ago. I think we need to have that as a regular thing. Even having greeters at the door, helping people find where to take the kids that aren't new here. We've had lots of visitors this year. Um, We had a cleaning crew form this year. So every week you come in and it's cleaned, it's not an accident. Uh, There's somebody every, you know, they kind of go on a rotation and Sandy Trask does a great job administrating that. Um, Just because we got a good worship team up here doesn't mean that somebody needs to be replaced. I need to be replaced. If I'm the, one of the voices singing up here, you guys are hurting. There's way better voices in our congregation than mine. And when I get done teaching, I got nothing left. So that makes me think that God's already provided somebody. So uh, take that as the Lord's nudge. Uh, grounds, grass, and maintenance. There are several of you that have donated time to mow grass or uh, in the last couple weeks push snow. Uh, Thank you so much for that. It's creating a practical way where we can all go to church. So with growth comes challenges. And I'd like to point out that through uh, 2020, uh, a pandemic, our church, uh, on some weeks you feel it more than others, but we've actually doubled. Um, On our biggest week, we had 100 people here, which we have 104 chairs out here. We've got 12 more in the prayer room. And so... um, it's got us thinking about practical things. And I've heard several of you go, uh, what are we going to do if we run out of space? Because we're kind of getting tight. Especially in a pandemic year, we're more aware of space confinements. I think some of us have become more easily claustrophobic, and for good reasons. But uh, we need to make sure that in the midst of this growth that people don't fall through the cracks. One-on-one relationship trumps all the other growth techniques. We're not doing a technique. We're just building God's kingdom by having lives invested in each other. Uh, As we grow, space is becoming a premium. So if you get here early, scoot to the sides. Make ways for other people to have seats. Uh, But also with seats, we have problems with parking spaces. So we've got parking curbs out there. We're going to get those lined out. So we've got better parking organization. We're going to take away the organized mass chaos. And we're going to kind of, you know, put some new parking curbs out there. Um, so what is our plan? What is our plan for growth? Because if we're healthy, we're going to multiply. 
And so as we multiply, the prayer is, what do you want us to do, Lord? So we've been praying about this for several weeks, the board and I have. Um, Do we do multiple services? And many of you have cringed if I've mentioned that. Uh, But one of the benefits of multiple services is that those that are serving downstairs, we'd only have children's church during the second service. So people that serve could come to the first service at the very least, and then after they serve, they could go downstairs, or excuse me, they could come to the first service, get fed, go downstairs and serve afterwards. So that might make some of you that are like, well, I don't want to miss church, more apt to do that. So we're praying about that possibility. And I think that's going to be needed sooner than later. Uh, But then the problem with that is if we multiply the amount of cars because of the amount of people, um, on the week that we had 103 people here, that parking lot we just built was already full. So even if we were to make the sanctuary bigger, where do we park the cars? Because that takes up more of our ground, and we're kind of landlocked. So we're praying, Lord, uh, this is your problem. What is your plan to fix it? And so it's a good problem, but it's still a problem. And so here's the problem with when, when the church is growing. If we're 80% full and visitors come, especially during a time where people are kind of scared about being close to one another, uh, all they say is, uh, they're too full, we don't have room. Let's go try another church, which is fine. I, I'm fine with that. But I don't want to turn away anybody that's even curious because whether it sounds politically correct or not, I feel like this is the best model for doing church. I, I've given my life to it. And so I don't want anybody that might have the experience that I did when I went to Parkland Chapel for the first time to miss out on the goodness of God's word. I don't want anybody to be turned away because they don't feel like we have enough room. And so we want to make room. Uh, we want as many people to come and be invited. And I don't know about you, but I don't like inviting people to where it's uncomfortably full. And so as we pray through that, do we go to multiple services? Do we add to the building? Or do we look for another space? The church, by the way, is built with the individuals that it makes up. We pray, we talk about the word church, and we think about a building. But the church is you and I. If the pandemic didn't show us that, I don't know what does. The church is built upon relationships. And so uh, if that makes you cringe a little bit, maybe you're thinking about the building too much and not about the people enough. Um, but at the same thing is, I, I want to be open to what God has. And so we, we're praying about a couple of options. We're praying about a couple of buildings. And if you're you know, thinking about us, I mean, pray about this, because if we want to see God's kingdom advance, we want to see him. I've always prayed that a tithe of our church would be, or excuse me, a tithe of our community or our valley. Say that we have 2,000 to 4,000 people in the valley and its extents. That would be two to 400 people. I thought that would be pretty cool. An offering up to the Lord, a tithe. And so if that's the case, and that's the vision that the Lord has for us, um, we're going to need space. And so please pray about this. Because as we get ready to make moves, uh, people get nervous. Sheep get nervous when you start to change up tradition and, and place and location. But realize that it's never about being big. It's always about Jesus being big. And if we want to grow what he's doing here, We want to do it in his way. We want to do it in his timing. We don't want to get ahead of him. But we also want to take care of the practical stuff that makes all that spiritual stuff able to take place. And so with that being said, that's, at least from my vantage point, the state of the church. I have enjoyed more than anything as I've been able to be full-time to get to see each one of you as I get to know you and the new faces. I get to see each one of you grow and uh, your families grow, and uh, prayers be answered, and uh, I really feel like we're on the cusp of something. It's getting ready to to blow up, and that probably sounds presumptuous and maybe a little bit haughty, but I want to point out this. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It's just what God's doing right now, and I'm just grateful to be a part of that, and so hopefully I did it justice. I didn't share half of what I'd like to but I'm way over. And so, uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, for the ways that you have moved in my life personally through this church. This church is what I need, not because it's my identity, 
but because as I do what you've gifted and called me to do, it causes me to uh, trust you more. And I don't think that there's anything out there if it didn't trust me more, or excuse me, cause me to trust you more, uh, that's bad for me. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing upon our fellowship. Thank you for tacos. Woo! Man, I love tacos. Sorry, I'm just giddy. Uh, thank you for um, this group. Pray your blessing upon each one of them as they are hearing maybe some of them for the first time. Um, Lord, this wasn't my idea, it was yours. And so I just give you the glory. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your work in each one of our homes. And I pray that all that has taken place so far would be the first fruits. That many people in our valley who are lost, who are searching, some of them lost and not searching and just totally content with what they feel like life is, Lord, that you would breathe life into our valley, that dry bones would be brought to life. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience with us. We are a hard-hearted people. I pray that for myself. Pray that for us. Lord, let your word have an impact on us and pray that your Holy Spirit would impact, empower us, and send us out to those that you want us to reach. In Jesus' name, amen.